Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN, it is episode 74, season 4 of the Rain Drakes Hockey Podcast, and it is presented, as always, by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Ray Ferraro is on the scene. Following Reese, Riley, who are you following today? Uh, Reese was on the weekend in Seattle, yeah. and uh, we're in uh, Dallas today uh, for smoking Riley's on, huh? turn. Oh my gosh! Like I'm telling you, Drakes, it is. I stepped off the plane. It was 15 Celsius, so about 60 degrees in Seattle. Yeah, and this morning it's 30 already in Dallas. So mm. that's just a little over 90, but it's also humid and it's like there's a roof on top of you it's it is hot so mm. i have to say Drake, i don't know where you stand i know you're a coffee guy yeah love right? it yeah, yeah me too i love it enjoy it um i think iced coffee is the most ridiculous thing i have ever <laughs> encountered it's it's ridiculous i can't stand just it. generally speaking or specific venue or no all just, of it iced coffee okay. ridiculous. like right. have a coffee or have a glass of water i don't know yeah but anyway this morning i have iced coffee <laughs> and so in a nod to my first uh play-by-play partner kevin quinn yeah um we were in Minnesota. He drank iced coffee all the time. I thought it was ridiculous that he was doing it. And so I, uh, um, one day we're in Minneapolis. Uh, it's in like January, snow, blizzard. It's brutal. And yeah. I'm walking across the street to Starbucks. And he says, hey, Ray Ray, can you get me an iced coffee? And I said, no, I will not. <laughs> and he said, why not? And I said, because I think it's ridiculous. So I walk across, I get my coffee, I come back, and he's waiting in the lobby. I guess he thought I was joking. And he goes, where's my iced coffee? I said, it's still in the coffee shop because I didn't get it. I was too embarrassed to order it. He's like, are you kidding me? I couldn't do it. I think it – I don't even think it's a coffee. It's just like canned water. And Uh, I I think I've had one in my lifetime, but I I equate it to – you know, again, you grew up in BC. I grew up in the prairies. I don't know what it was like at, at the small town functions in Trail, but in Saskatchewan, every time you went to a banquet or a wedding or some sort of event, there was these vats of jello salad with like fruit. Sometimes yes. they had marshmallows. Like, what was going on? It's just off putting to me. So I put so ice coffee. Just in think, I, I love I love jello. Like, back when I was a kid, that was a great. Red Jello was awesome. <laughs> as soon as they drop things in it, my mom ah. and the aunts, and they, and yeah. you're right, it wouldn't be just a cup. It would be like a bowl of the stuff. And you'd look at it and you go, they want us to eat that? I'm not eating that. <laughs> it, I think it should be right on the table next to the iced coffees over there in the <laughs> don't touch table. Can't stand it. Ugh. Gross. All right. Uh, time for headlines. And Ray, lots of buzz around certain teams in the National Hockey League, which come as no surprise. I mean, you know, we've got the draft looming and there's always that trade speculation coming out of the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we're looking at Philadelphia. We're looking at Winnipeg. We're looking at Calgary. We're looking at Ottawa to name but a few. I mean, every team in the league is in trade conversation, some description. I guess what I'm a little bit surprised by <clears throat> is the quality, some very big names in play here. And and not just in Winnipeg with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Scheifele and Connor Hellebuck, but, you know, you look at Philadelphia and we're hearing now Sanheim and you're looking at Connecting and you're looking at Scotty Lawton and, 
you know, Calgary, what might they do with the likes of Michael Backlund or a Tyler Toffoli? Um, go down the list. I mean, Noah Hannafin, they've got some very, very interesting pieces. So do you buy this? Some of those guys are going to get moved. But, you know, as a keen observer and somebody who participates at least a little bit in, in the dialogue of these conversations, do you buy the level of activity that could happen or are you skeptical just given history? I do think there's going to be some significant moves. And the reason I think so, Drake's, is a lot of it is going to end up, I think, shifting deck chairs around. Um, some There's enough big names that may get traded for each other because, as we know, like no other time has money been the driving factor in, in a lot of the deals. You, you'd like to change your team, but great. I want to give you a really great player or a really good player because I want to change my mix. I've got to take money back. In the past, it could be just futures or you could build your team in a different way. The, the trades for two first round picks and a fourth round pick and a prospect, I, you know, a grade A prospect or grade B prospect, I think those are really hard to make because of the money transfers going back. But I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's one thing I think that could delay some of these moves. I don't mean take them off the board, but delay them. If I'm a team looking for a goalie, for example, I mean, Connor Hellebuck is out there. There's other guys out uh, out there that it's going to get to be crowded. But uh, yeah, but also like a player like Noah Hannafin. If you can't get that player signed, perhaps you wait until closer to the deadline when there's going to be a team that says, that guy can help us win now, and they'll be willing to pay a more equitable price because they don't have to pay him for as long. Um, the price will come, you know, you'll, my team will have that Hannafin or Hullabuck for six months of the season. So there's some different ways to look at it, but I, I do think that there's going to be some significant movement. So that's an interesting point you make because the contracts always matter. They always matter. And when we look at Winnipeg, uh, people forget Connor Hellebuck is under contract for another year at 6.2. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you're the New Jersey Devils, like Pierre Lebrun speculated on insider trading, and you have interest in Connor Hellebuck, you have to be mindful of what that deal is going to look like moving forward. Otherwise, you're not giving up the assets to acquire Connor Hellebuck. Um, but that's where it gets a little bit dicey, doesn't it, Ray? Because in Hellebuck's case, yeah, he wants to win. There wouldn't be a player in the National Hockey League that doesn't win. In this case, you know, he's a highly qualified star NHL goaltender. But on a team like the New Jersey Devils or any top contending team, if it's fair to call them that at this stage, there's got to be a balance, right? I mean, he wants to win, but they can't afford to pay him $9.5 million Vasilevsky money on an extension. So, you know, is the player willing to compromise or or not? But if you're Tom Fitzgerald, don't you have to know that before you execute that trade, even though he's got one year left on his deal? It's, it goes without saying. It's paramount that you know whether you're going to be able to get him signed. I, I've moved to the camp of um, I don't want to pay my goalie $9 million. I really don't. I, uh, I look at the last couple of Stanley Cup champions. You go back uh, a number of years, and yeah, there's, of course, the the standouts of Vasilevsky, uh, the two years that, that, that they won back-to-back, his contract number at the time was very manageable. 
Now it's moved into a different place. You have to, you have to realize if you, if your goalie is, if you're paying your goalie $9 million, at some point he needs nights off, right? 65 games is not a good number for goalies anymore. The, the pace of the game, the, the challenges of the position are too great. But you can't pay your backup $3 million either. Then you got $12 million in, in contracts sitting there. So I think it becomes a challenge, even for a terrific goalie like, like Hellebuck. Um, and here's the thing. When I look at the body of Hellebuck, is there has been great years and not so great years. Part of that, I think, is his workload. I think he will be more effective with a little bit of a limit on the way he plays. But if, if you're Winnipeg, you're, you're looking to maximize what you get. Um, chances of winning a trade these days are very slim. I, I think you hope for the trade that's a win for you by the players you acquire play as well as they can for you. You're not, it's not like the past trades. I don't know what you think, but you're not catching another general manager or another team unaware. There's too much information now. There's too much data. They know what they're getting for the most part. Can some guy outkick what his data says? Sure. But is he going to do it for five years in a row? Probably not. All right. We'll get to Oliver Ekman Larson here uh, momentarily, but I I just want to wrap up the Winnipeg conversation because there's been so much talk around Pierre-Luc Dubois, rightfully so. And I'm told it's not just a two-horse race between Montreal and LA. It can't be. It never is, right? Just because guys like me talk about those two teams as as being the front runners with interest doesn't mean that the market is just circling around those two teams. Um, But here's something that doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of attention. And it's so obvious to me. You know, restricted free agents now have more clout than ever before. I mean, look at Alex DeBrinkett in Ottawa, certainly Pierre-Luc Dubois. But wait a minute here. You know, Winnipeg owns Dubois' rights for another year. It's like, he's not going to play in the NHL next season? Like, if they don't get the market value for Pierre-Luc Dubois that they absolutely need, does he not have to sign that one-year deal and then take your chances of getting moved at the trade deadline? I mean, sitting out and not playing until December 1st can't be an option that makes any sense to Pierre-Luc Dubois or his agent, Pat Brisson. I can't even imagine they would consider it. You know, it's not like he's playing for hubcaps. You know, like he's, he's, it's a lot of money to, to, to walk away from. But they just keep saying he's not going to sign. Okay, well, where, where is he going to play if the deal isn't there this offseason, you know? By saying that, that pushes the leverage point a little bit. Except Winnipeg, again, still has Dubois until at least the trade deadline. So I, I would be shocked um, if he sits out. And if he does sit out, I, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm not helping him. I, you know, and and I don't I don't even know that Dubois would consider that. I I really don't. I, I I guess it's a way to maybe push more pressure to Winnipeg to make the deal. But if the deal's not there, why wouldn't you just wait until the deadline? Because a six foot three or four centerman that can fill in that two hole in the way that Dubois can. Oh man, I they're going to have they'll have plenty of options. It is a game of push and pull of leverage and each side thinks they have it at certain times and you know you have to you have to try and execute on it the best you can. 
It's 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 not easy. It's not easy though. It, it's not easy, and right now things are amicable. So I'm not suggesting that that's the underlying theme of the direction it's going to go. It's it's just a possibility. All right. You know what? You know what would concern me if I was a team yeah. that um, was a pretty good team, and I'm looking at what Vegas did and the teams that win and in the playoffs. I'm like, geez, size. We can walk past it as much as we want. Size matters. Yeah. It really no does. Kidding. And you know, Drake's, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm for every little guy scoring as much as they can yeah. and, and helping their teams and driving their teams. Vegas had one small guy yeah. and he gets 30 goals most every yeah. year. And he won the con Smythe. Yeah. They, they do not, a, a player like Dubois would interest me greatly if I was a, a pretty good team that maybe lacked a little size. And that would be Montreal. I mean, you know, aside from the cultural advantages that comes along with the French Canadian returning um, is the obvious, you know, they've got smallish forwards, if not flat out small goal scorers like Cole Caulfield. So size up the middle there would help. Um, Bold statement, I would say by Vancouver Canucks ownership, Ray, and buying out Oliver Ekman Larson, you know that you saved money, significant money over the term of the buyout, but it now allows the management group of the Vancouver Canucks to go after what they need, right? And that's a third nine center. That's a penalty kill shutdown defenseman. And probably we just talked about size of Pierre-Luc Dubois, maybe a biggish winger, you know, to, to augment what they have in Vancouver. And they, 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 they've tried repeatedly to make moves to create cap space and just couldn't do it. So not an easy task to, to, Convince your owner that a buyout is your best and only option. And and I want to say this. I say this every time we talk about the Canucks, about how about how little I know about what's going on. I called you right after the... Which is why I ask you, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm not going to put you in a bad spot. I just know that you're not going to know because Camby's not going to tell you anything. Well, I took a nap. I, I woke up <laughs> and I read that the Canucks have bought out Dubois or have, have bought out I have Oliver ekman Larson. So I call yeah. you and I said, hey, I want you to know, this is how little I know. I, <laughs> I, I just found out about it when I woke up from my nap. Cammie yeah. was supposed to get home, she thought, from the office at about 1 that day. She didn't get home till 4.30 or 5. I'm like, oh, anything going on today? Mm. And she laughed, right? She goes, see, that's why you don't need to know. So Perfect. anyway, this is my view on it. They had to create cap space. Like that was, yeah. I think, was evident to everybody. If the moves aren't there, you can't make somebody take your player. If they're offering a trade around with Oliver Ekman Larson and they're looking to retain money and they still can't get the trade done, then you only have one option. Well, I guess you got two. You can keep him and have a $7 million cap hit, or you can do what they just did, which sucks on many levels. There's no way the owner wants to pay money for somebody to go play somewhere else. There's no way the manager wants to be able or has to be able to say, look, I can't get this deal done. So I've got to, I've got to buy this player out. I do wonder if it's, if it's somewhat easier to say, I need to buy this player out. I didn't sign him. I didn't trade him or trade for him. I I think it's probably easier to make that case than say, Hey, I signed this guy two years ago, and now I want to buy him out. That's probably a tougher sell to the owner. Okay, what is he, Oliver Ekman Larson? Now, so if if you're a team in the market for a four or five guy, right? 
Um, and you you know you're getting him at a discount. That's abundantly obvious now. How interested are you in him as a GM? I, I think my biggest concern would be his foot speed. It really seemed to go away last year. Now he came into the year injured. He got injured late. He's not he's not the most physical player. I would worry that his foot speed is a real concern. If you're asking at two million dollars, can he play? I would say yes. And I would yeah. say he's in that he's in the bottom third of your defense for sure, because the pace of the high of the top end guys, I think, is gonna be too much for him. But he can kill penalties. He can still move the puck. He's just he's in he's at the stage of his career where you're not getting an accelerating asset. You're getting a declining one. And so if if you're looking at a year at two million or two years at two million, I don't know. Maybe somebody will pay him way more than that. I don't know. I wouldn't. Um, and that and that would be the reason. It would be my concern over uh, his foot speed. I think if you don't have foot speed, you've got to be mean. Like there, there's got to be a balance there. And you know, so like for Radko Gudis type mean. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> when he got hurt there, I was like, how the hell did he even get hurt? He's like. You yeah, know, I know. I, I think of uh, honestly, I think of somebody like Braden McNabb. You know, okay. he's not the he's not the fleetest of foot, but he's yeah. mean. Like he gets around, yeah. and you know, he yeah. he's fine. Yeah, you pay a price when you're near him. Yeah, that would be that would be a a guy that I I would think of in that vein. All right. Well, we've kind of sifted around the Canadian market, and and just because big stories are coming out of this country, so I'm okay with that. Um, anything to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, grabs headlines. It, that's just the way it is. And, you know, it's almost a play-by-play march and everything that Brad Treliving is doing from visiting Austin Matthews to, you know, priority one has to be what what's going to become of William Nylander on July 1st, all of that. Um, but, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, you know, now we're talking about a pending unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, at the end of the year, when they had the, the locker room clean out, he seemed to speak in past tense when he's talking about his time and his rental experience with the Maple Leafs. And, you know, again, the door remains fully open for Ryan O'Reilly to engage with the Maple Leafs. Um, but I think that's more common sense business, isn't it? Why would he close the door on the Toronto Maple Leafs? Essentially, his hometown, his family is very comfortable here. Um I love the player and what he represents. I just wonder, similarly to what you said about OEL, I wonder if that's the best use of of asset, financial commitment here, when you're talking about a market that, from a free agent standpoint, isn't that deep, but there are some interesting commodities out there. If Ivan Barbashev were available at four, seven, five, five million per, I mean... Wouldn't that be an interesting target for Toronto and probably 14, 15 other teams? I would think so. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start with O'Reilly. I, I mean, we've moved into the time clearly in, in, the, in the scope of paying players in the NHL. You don't pay for what they've done. You pay for what they can do. So you can't say, oh, he was the captain of the Blues in 2019 and you know, he's been a this and a Selkie winner and this and this. It doesn't matter. In today's world, it doesn't matter anymore, except you would know of the quality of what type of player he is. I think you have to look at last year in totality for O'Reilly. And 
offensively, there was a cliff there. There, there really was. And so I, I like him as a player, but only at a certain pay level. I think he's going to get, but I think he's going to have enough options that that pay level won't be commiserate with what the Leafs really need. Yeah. So could force you into another year or two, right? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe Tor- Toronto's comfort is three years. He wants four years at around 5 million. Right. Uh, that extra year is, is problematic. I mean, right. Maybe it dips below that because of the extra. Year. Yes, it could. And I know there will be people that'll say, yeah, but the cap's going to go up. Yeah. You, yeah. you still have the same defense. <laughs> yeah. Like eventually that or, people are going to realize that defense yeah. isn't good enough. And it's not just defensively I'm talking about. It's a defense in today's world needs to be able to be part of the engine offensively. And the, and the Leafs have a group that needs to be addressed. So you can't keep pushing money out forward saying the cap's going to rise, the cap's going to rise. Yeah, you got to spend it elsewhere too. Ivan Barbashev is an interesting guy. Had a fabulous playoff. His career high is 24 goals. What are you looking for from him? He's a, he's a center by trade, a winger most effectively. He can probably do both. Where can he be? You still have John Tavares and what John is at this stage of his career. Can he be, a mid, can he be in the middle? Does he need to go to the wing? If he needs to go to the wing, who are you putting in the middle and what are you paying him? Like These are, these are not easy decisions because the Leafs aspire to be more than just the playoff team. And so I guess what I'm saying is I don't see a path for O'Reilly in Toronto, given I think the offers that he's going to have. And if 14 or 15 teams are in on Barbashev, that's going to be a tough one to do because you still do have to sign some significant players. Like Nylander is the most immediate one, correct? So, you know, I mean, we're, I mean, they're going to get a sense, or they've probably got a sense what Matthews is looking for already. But again, he's he's going to get done in in yeah. some way, shape, or form. The Nylander one is is paramount because you're running out of days. And those are your headlines. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. All right, time to check in with Chris Abbott, brought to you by Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, Botano says, the game starts now. And man, you're always busy, Chris Abbott. That goes without saying. Um, But just, you know, bring us into your world here at Botano. We're across, you know, the gaming network, if you will. Uh, Is this a, a slower time of year where you start to catch your breath a little bit and maybe take a bigger picture look at the events that are coming down the road? It's definitely it's a slower time of year. I mean, most most people are locked in on on baseball, but you do have the the golf majors, right? Yeah. We're just coming yeah. off a big weekend. 
you got the more tennis majors in the summer. So it's just, I would say it's different. Um, it's not the slog of every day of the NHL and NBA season and NFL season, right? That's where um, that's where it's really, really ramped up. So uh, in the summertime, we take our, our time really to plan for, for August and September. Um, make sure your NFL offer is where it needs to be. Um, talk to customers. See what they want to bet on because uh, you have a little more time if, if there's a market that, that somebody wants. So um, there's a lot of that. There's a, a little bit of that. But, I mean, we're just coming off here in Toronto last week. We had the Canadian Gaming Summit um, where, you know, all the leaders from, from all the different companies uh, got together. Um, you know, we had what, two, three good days of, of really good uh, panels and, and workshops and stuff like that. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of competition out there, but uh, we all work together, you know, grabbing a bear with with the guys from from the competition just to see what they're up to. So that, that's kind of what's been going on lately. So when you're in that, I'm interested in that. So you're your competitors, of course, but um, are, are you sharing ideas about what's the next best thing to get to? What how can you tweak things or do you try and keep that stuff pretty tight? When it comes to getting one over on the other guy or having the next best thing, uh, you keep that a little closer to the vest. But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just emerging trends in the industry. So mm-hmm. you talk about a little bit about how you're how you're tackling it. Um, you know, one of the things that has become super popular same game parlay right so three four years ago you couldn't combine markets from the same game now it's all anybody wants to do and as as the technology increases then you're able to to find new ways to do that so so you know we talk about that one of the other things we talk about a lot is is regulatory challenges so um in ontario right now there's a lot of talk about uh, the amount of advertising the placement of advertising who's in the advertising um, as an industry, we have our opinion, and of course, uh, some stakeholders outside have their opinions. And it always works better as an industry when you band together. So um, we recognize that there's there's some valid concerns out there, but we also want to make sure that that regulators don't want to go too far because the idea of opening up a, a fair and, and open market as that's been done in Ontario and it's done been done very well. Um, but the idea behind that is is for people to uh, be able to operate and, and try and keep the guardrails as loose as possible while making sure people are protected as we as we certainly recognize that our industry does have um, potential dangers to, to certain folks. You know, you're a bit of an emotional guy, Chris, when it comes to baseball. And, and because it's a bit slow right now, I'm not going to ask you to drill down on the Blue Jays because this is not a 12-hour podcast. Um, but you have to remind yourself every morning that, look, we're, we're approaching late June, June 21st, not the end of the world. Things may change. Your beloved Blue Jays may bounce back. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, they found a way to win a game uh, after being embarrassed in Miami, but... Hey, they scored two runs, Chris. Look at that. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, two guys off the bench, right? Clement put him in the Hall of Fame. I like I like this kid actually. But um yeah, you know, it's uh somebody told me once that that you know around MLB the mantra is is get to the all-star break um healthy and and 500 or a little bit above and and then you got the stretch coming right i would say there's a whole lot of guys that have underperformed for the blue jays um and and they haven't been able to be consistent all at the same time 
but I think they're you know right there in, in a wild card spot right now or right right out of it. So um, uh, try not to get you know let the highs get too high and the lows get too low. I think coaches probably <laughs> walk around the room saying that, right? So um, yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I was taught. Well, here's the other side of it, guys. I was talking to my pal JD Bunkus last night, um, and I was saying, what do they do? What can they do? You know, we're having a little bit of an emotional chat. He goes, they got nobody to trade. There's nobody coming. So look around the room and say, this is what we got <laughs> and get behind it because that's that's as much as it is. You hope Alec Manoa comes back. You hope Alejandro Kirk finds it again. You hope Brandon Belt finds a little bit of his magic from his uh, World Series days. But this is who they got. This is who they got. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll check back with you in the near future. All right, guys. Take care. Same to you. Now, good luck to your Jays. Abs, I'm worried about you. Hey, they got Oakland coming in this weekend. They better do well there. <laughs> Should be fine. All right, right. You, uh, how many more days in Dallas? What's going on in Dallas as we wrap up the pod here? Uh, Riley plays at ten o'clock, ten o'clock local yeah. time today, and uh, Reese and I are on a four fifty-five back home. And uh, Riley gets home tomorrow. He's had an awesome year. Been really, really happy for him. Really proud of him. And like an unbelievable year. Well, believable because he did it and he earned it and he put the hard work in to achieve it. Good for him. Yeah, he uh, he really did great. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this has been quite an education um, for Cammy and I. And uh, watching what these kids go through in because we just know the hockey world, right? And so right. by the end of the year, which is now. These kids are gassed. They are gassed. You have to, I always have said this uh, as they've gotten older. In hockey, in a practice, if you're tired, you can kind of coast around and get into the drill. In soccer, you're yeah. either running or you're not. And, <laughs> and there is no way to coast around the soccer field. You could do that on the rink at practice. These guys can't. So I think they're all ready for, for a break. So once he gets back home, um, it'll be time to time to hang out and be a, be a teenager again. And then what is that? Is that like a, a two, three week break a yeah. month? Maybe. No, yeah. not a month. It'll, it'll be a couple no. of weeks. And yeah. um, he's a, uh, he's a year younger than the kids that he plays with. So um, he's only go, he's finishing grade 10, the 10th grade. And um those kids are all finishing 11th. So they're now in the process of finalizing where they're going to go to school in a year and things like that. And Riley's still got some time, but it'll, it'll be back to, back to training again. And, you know, it's, three weeks will seem like a good break for him, I'm sure. Just let him sleep in, Ray, every day. Don't be banging on the door at noon. Just let him drift into whatever time he wants. Dregs, are you kidding me? Noon? <laughs> Not a chance. That thing is... They every teenager now is first couple weeks of summer they live their lives upside down, you know they they wake up they're like what's for breakfast at one thirty I don't know a sandwich <laughs> I don't know what do you want that's awesome well I don't have to tell you to enjoy it because I know you and Cammy are enjoying every step of the process but I think for the rest of us it's it's fun to tag along so. Uh, good luck the rest of the trip, and uh, we'll be connecting here in the next day or two. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll get back home. And what what do you got going? Are you uh, you got to have some project going? You always got something going. Insider trading kind of consumes me from a TSN perspective, but I've actually I, I've had some big projects. Ray, I I took the uh, pressure washer to our back deck. It's a composite deck, 
Now, a year ago, it's an older composite deck. It's probably about 15 years old. So I was going to get just the composite, the, the deck boards replaced, right? 40 grand, 40 Gs. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Back-to-back years, I pressure or wash the snot out of it, and it actually looks pretty good. So that was like a three-hour ordeal yesterday. By the way, uh, yeah, but pressure washing is satisfying. Because you see the immediate results, right? Oh, you're like, look at that. All that (laughs) junk is gone. Got a podcast in. Oh, yeah. Can't hear anything. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, Tiny doesn't appreciate it as much. It freaks her out. Yeah. Might be because I point the stick at her every once in a while and give her a blast from about 15 feet. Uh, she, she oh, good for you. Well, there it is. There it is. All right, buddy. Dog parenting 101. Yeah. Get we'll out of here, Dre. It's time to go, baby. Time to go. Shout out to our partners who make the podcast possible. Title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. You ask, are you over beer? By Batano.ca. It is available in Ontario. The game starts now, according to Batano. And by Dewar. Use the code RND pants and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. That's episode 74. So that means episode 75 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast is coming up next. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone.